Good morning, good morning. You all doing well this morning? Enjoying the hot, humid weather? I'm proud to tell you that I'm back up from Florida, and it's been hotter here this week than it has been in Florida, so amen. you got to come down where it's cool. So it's great to be back this morning, have an opportunity to share God's Word with you again, and uh, we appreciate all your prayers and all the people reaching out to us, wondering and praying about how we're faring with the hurricane, and absolutely uh, Fine, we had some residuals of it, but nothing too serious. So you probably had more rain here yesterday than we did with the hurricane. So, so thank you all for at least thinking of us and praying for us. And uh, again, it's an honor to be back this morning to be able to share God's worth, word with you again today. Be back again on Sunday, the uh, 24th, uh, ministering God's word again. So Nancy will be with me that particular weekend. So, so praise God. Good to see you. Love you all. And those of you that are online, we thank you for logging on this morning and, and worshiping together with us and receive the word that God has for us today. Today's title for the message this morning is called First Things First. I've been thinking about uh, different messages I wanted to share and realizing that uh, December's coming up quickly and, the, and the, the finality of the transition's coming up and I'm all these uh, what I would consider uh, you know, classic sermons over the years and what do I, what, what do I want to minister on and what particular topics and just seemed everything I, I, I landed on. I, well, this is one of my favorites and I got a lot of positive feedback on this one. The Holy Spirit said, no, that's, that's not it. And so anyway, I landed on this as, uh, as I was preparing for it and it's titled First First things first. Uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a principle of life. I've referred to it as the, the principle of first. But first things first, for example, you had some first thoughts this morning when you woke up. And some of you could run with that thought and, and, and end up uh, just leading you into a great day. And some of you probably needed to wrestle with those thoughts and, and rebuke those thoughts and bring them into submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But there's firsts in our lives. And the thing that we do first always affects everything that follows after the first thing that we do. And so I want to share that principle with you, entitled First Things First, on, on, on several different topics this morning. We're going to talk about first love, first fruits, seek first the kingdom, pray first, and so forth. So we're going to uh, share some of those things with you. But So I'm going to go, uh, it might seem like I'm going to go quick. It will seem like it's going to go quick. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each one of them, but I want to provoke your thinking so you catch yourself, what am I doing first? What am I thinking first? What am I saying first? And that type of, you know, that, that type of sequence. So, of course, uh, the first one, I don't know how you do a five-point sermon with first things first. I guess it's first of all and then and first of all, <laughs> so I can't say second and then third because they're all first. So first A, first B, first C. First of all, in Matthew 6 and verse 33, it's a scripture verse that you probably are quite familiar with. But it's where Jesus uh, is spending some time encouraging his followers not to worry. Don't take any thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Aren't the, you know, consider the lilies, consider the birds, and et cetera, et cetera. That tells us that worrying is not going to add anything to our lives. And, and so then he comes into uh, verse 31. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, then right into verse 33, then it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But seek first the kingdom. 
So we're not supposed to worry about the basic necessities of life. Matter of fact, in Romans, it tells us that kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Taking it right out of the natural realm, it's not food and drink, it has nothing to do with, it's not the natural realm, the kingdom of God is in the spiritual realm. Now, it affects how we live in the natural realm, but we are to seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, his peace, his joy, his way of doing kingdom work. Seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things that we have a, a, a tendency to be concerned about and even worrying about or fretting over. So Jesus is promising that if we'll seek first, and we say first. Seek first the kingdom. Now that does not mean Jesus is not saying that you should not take any thought, that you should not be planning, you should not be strategizing the future. You shouldn't be strategizing uh, the, the week coming up or, or planning for the week coming up. Matter of fact, we're, we're, Scripture teaches us that pre preparedness is wisdom. Panicking is not is what he doesn't want us to do. He wants us to be prepared, but not to be panicking. In Proverbs chapter 6, in verse 6, it says, Consider the ant, you sluggard, having no captain or overseer, prepares its food in the summer. You know, he, he prepares it when it's, when, when it's season, in season, preparing it for the future. So we are to plan and to prepare for the future. And there's nothing wrong with uh, thinking about your grocery list. There's nothing, think, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, thinking about your, your, your wardrobe as far as, you know, the change of seasons and so forth. That's all biblical, but plan it and strategize it. But have that planning and strategizing coming out of seeking first the kingdom of God and having the Holy Spirit as your helper leading, guiding, and directing you in that. So seek first the kingdom. Seek his kingdom first. It's a kingdom government. It's a kingdom rule. And it affects everything else that we do after that if we'll put God first and foremost in absolutely everything in our lives. So seeking first the kingdom. I wanted to share that one with you. Uh, if you catch yourself uh, stressing and worrying, which we all have a tendency to do, no matter how it may be manifested, remind yourself, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to plan. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to strategize this, but I'm going to do it in the wisdom of God. I'm going to do it in the peace of God, and I'm going to do it with holy help, with the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing me. So number one would be seek first the kingdom. First things first, seek the kingdom. Always turn to God first. The second one that I want to share with you this morning, the second first, <laughs> the second first things first has to do with uh, first love. Everyone say first love. In Revelation, the book of Revelation, beginning in chapter 2, Jesus begins to address the various churches. He sees what's going on within the church, and he's addressing the churches. He's affirming the positive things and also addressing things that he's not pleased with, and he wants them to, uh, 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 to get into alignment with his perfect will for his life. But in, uh, for the church at Ephesus, he refers, it's referred to as the loveless church. So uh, he's affirming in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, says that, uh, said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, all very commendable. All this is very commendable. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, very commendable. You have found them to be liars. You have persevered and have patience, and you have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You say, well, what, you know, well, what can be wrong with this church? 
That's talking about Grace Church, right? We're all patient. We persevere. We're laboring. We're doing all the things that we are supposed to be doing and seeking first the kingdom of God. But in verse 4, he makes a transition. So he's, he's affirming their labor, their patience, their intolerance for evil, yet he reprimands them. And he's, in verse 4, he says, nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. nevertheless. Nevertheless, you have left your, what's he saying we left? First love. Left our first love. Now, Jesus also is recorded in Matthew chapter 24 in verses 3 through 11. Jesus is warning to us as believers, as we are entering into the demands of the end of the ages, of the end of times, one of the characteristics among all the other pestilences and storms and earthquakes and all, just a whole a litany list of there of things that, that, that uh, are to be expected as we uh, approach the end times. But in verse 12, he says, lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will abound, causing the love of many to grow cold. Now, some people would argue and say, well, that's not talking about us, but it is because it's the, the word love there, and he says the lawlessness will abound, causing the love, that's the word agape. And agape is the Greek word for the God kind of love. So unbelievers don't have the God kind of love in them. We have the God kind of love within us, but Jesus is forewarning that, yes, you can go about doing good. You can, you can continue to go about and, in your labor and in your patience. You can have an intolerance for evil, uh, but guard your heart. Guard your heart. Do not allow your agape, the love of God, to grow cold. Say, what's that saying? It's saying what I have experienced, and I'm saying most likely you have experienced it at different seasons in your Christian walk. In my 50-some years as as being a Christ follower, I have seasons of I'm doing the right thing, but I'm doing it with the wrong attitude. Am I the only one that's ever done that? I'm, I'm, I'm still looking like I'm being patient with you, but inside I'm having evil thoughts about you. <laughs> I'm still coming to church, but my mind's somewhere else. I'm still worshiping, but even while I'm worshiping, I'm thinking about a situation that just occurred or something that I'm facing coming up in the, in, in, in the week to come. Now, I'm just being very transparent with you. That's just some of the things that go on in life. And that's one of the things that Jesus said we, we need to guard our heart against. That he said that uh, the love, that, that all the stuff that goes on in life, just the weariness of all the things that are going on in the world around us and our access 24-7 to knowing what's going on around us. I mean, in my growing up days, we used to get the effort of review it was a weekly newspaper, and we got it on Thursday because it was mailed to us. And so we would read that like news. I mean, this is, this is, this is current events. That was as current. Well, today that seems absolutely ridiculous. I have learned over the last couple of years not even to tell me when I see, see my children and say, have you heard? <laughs> Dad, of course we heard. <laughs> have you heard? Have you, Dad, heard of social media? <laughs> 
And so it's 24-7. It's instant. We know what's going on around the world. It's right at our disposal, 24-7. We are being bombarded with us. And it, uh, it can be a good thing, but it can also be the very thing that can cause our heart to grow cold, our love to grow cold because we are just overwhelmed. It just seems, is there any hope? Is there any hope of reconciliation? Is there any hope of redemption? Is there any hope that God can restore the situations that, that we're in right now? And is there a future? Is there something we can look forward to? And so the, 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 what Jesus is addressing here to the, to the church at Ephesus is that you're, you're, you're still going through the motions. You're doing all the right things, but do it with a right heart. First of all, first love. Get back to that first love when you, when, you, when you first got excited, you first born again, or you first filled with the Spirit of God, when you, were, when you were serving God because you were really, really excited about serving God and, and not allow all the other stuff just to, just to wear you down, to chip away at your love, chipping away at your joy, coming back to your first love. So verse 4, he said, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Not only does he... Uh, uh, reprimand them, but he gives them a real quick solution. So I'm going to give it to you, then we'll move on. Uh, verse 5 says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, you know, I always know where I've allowed jealousy, the jealous bug to come in, the judgmental bug to come in. I, I, I know where I allowed myself to become critical. I know where I've allowed myself to be offended, to be hurt by what someone did or what someone didn't do or what someone said about me or whatever. I, I, I know exactly, I know those moments. If I think about them, I can feel the same feeling I had when it occurred. Jesus is saying, you left your first love. But the good news, the good news is that he's saying, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Then don't just remember to, to, you know, to, to relive it. As, as you recall it, repent from it. As you recall that, as you remember that, repent. Remember it and repent from it and get back to, and in verse 5, and do the first works. Get back to serving God out of your abundant and amazing love for God, no matter what's going on in the environment around you, the culture around you, in your family, in your community. Purpose that I'm going to do this because I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. I'm going to keep looking to God, the lover of my soul. He's the very reason for my existence. Therefore, I'm going to love him. I'm going to continue to love him. I'm going to serve him no matter what, what the pushback is that I'm experiencing, no matter how difficult it may become, how frustrating it may become, how exhausting it may be. I'm going, to, I'm going to purpose, I'm going to love God, I'm going to keep looking to God as the lover of my soul. Our serving, our serving must always flow out of our loving. God's, first and foremost, it's God's love for me, God's love in me, and God's love flowing through me. We have to have God's love in us and then flowing through us. So remember and repent and do the first works. 
I also want you to draw your attention to John chapter 6 and verse 27 through 29, because when it comes to first works, we get, you know, we using the words, we teach a lot here at Grace Church, we teach a lot on the topic of grace and on righteousness, how we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace through faith, and it's not a works religion that we have. It's not a works relationship that we have. It's a grace-based relationship, but uh, Jesus is using the word works here, so I want to... Uh, bring some more clarity to this for you. But in John chapter 6 and verse 20, beginning at 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Next verse. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said, you've left your first love. Remember where have you fallen? Repent from it and get back to doing your first works. Well, what's the first works? What am I, what's my first responsibility? What does God want me to do? What's my job description? If I could use that analogy. Well, look at this. Next verse. No, I'm sorry. Jesus answered, verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Just pause right there. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I need to be, uh, I need to usher in my church. I need to serve in the nursery. I need to be on the, on the worship team. I need, to, uh, I need to do, I need to do, I need to do, I need to do, and, I, and hopefully God is pleased with me. Jesus said, you, you have left your first love Let's get back to our first love and do the works of that first love. And here's what it is. This is the work of God that you believe. Everyone say believe. Believe, believe in him who he sent. Now, religious minds go tilt, tilt. It's like, I have to do something. I have to do something. Yeah, you have to do something. What should I do, Pastor Ray? Believe. Well, I need to do more than believe. No, no, first. Everyone say first. First, first believe. You don't do it so you can believe it. You believe it. You believe. Who, what are we believing? This is the work of God that you believe in Jesus. Your very first work out of your first love is to believe in Jesus. You want to keep that first love for God. You want to keep that vibrant. You want to keep that healthy. You want to keep it flowing. Believe in Jesus. Whom he sent. God sent Jesus. Well, a very basic scripture among Christianity is John 3.16. And sometimes we just dismiss it as being so basic, I don't even need to meditate on it. But think about it for a moment. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is reminding us and he's reminding his disciples who ask him, what shall we do? What shall we do? Believe. Believe. Now that doesn't mean you can quit the worship team, you can quit nursery, you can quit ushering, you can quit serving in the church because when you really, really believe in Jesus whom God sent, 
that will compel you, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, he says, for the love of God compels us. We want to be compelled by the love of God to do everything that we're doing. We never want to do it out of guilt, out of condemnation. When we find ourselves doing things out of, because we're feeling guilty or we're feeling condemned and we want to try to get back in the good graces of God and we're going to say, okay, I'm going to do all these different things, I'm, I, you know, I, that, that's a works mentality and that's, that's not a first love. A first love is God, thank you, you so loved me. Not only did you love me, you loved the whole world. You loved us so much that... You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to dwell in us, to forgive us of our sin, to dwell in us. Father, thank you for loving me. I believe that, and because I believe that, I have the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And you start basking in that love and just reveling in the love of God for you, and then you will find yourself serving God and doing all the things that Jesus uh, commended them for and saying how they persevered and they had patience and, and, and they, were, they were tested and they continued to endure. And that's, that's, that's coming back to your first love. So number, you want to be seeking first the kingdom of God. Then you want to be returning, repenting, and returning back to your first love. First love. First, this is C now. We had A and B. This is C. <laughs> or the next one. Let's just pause here for a moment. Let's just pause here for a moment. Talking about first love. Just open up your heart and receive this prayer that I'm going to pray. It's a prayer from the Apostle Paul. He prayed for the church at Philippi. And I just think it's appropriate to, to pray this right now. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God. Father, I speak that, I pray that over each one of us gathered here today, over all that are worshiping with us online. I thank you, Father God, that, our, that your love in us is abounding still more and more, and all the people who received that said, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Now, reconciliation. Everyone say reconciliation. Did you know there's a biblical sequence in reconciliation? <laughs> Let me ask a question again. I'm asking you a question. It's okay to answer me. I'm not a complete stranger. I was only gone for two weeks, all right? <laughs> Did you know there's a proper sequence when it comes to the sub, when it comes to reconciliation in relationships? I didn't know. You didn't know. Thank you for your honesty. But there's a proper sequence. I'll give you a clue. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not social media. It's not social media. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. Can we bring that up on the screen? I want everyone to see it. Matthew 18. 
It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Everyone say, you and him. Amen. Alone. Amen. Say it again. You and him. Amen. Alone. Amen. All right. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Next verse. But if he will not hear you, take, the, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Next verse. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be like a heathen and a tax collector. I'm going to let that last part, let him be like a heathen and a tax collector. I'm going to let, leave that up to Pastor Vern to clarify that. <laughs> I, I'm going to do the first part of it. The first part of it is if someone offends you, or you are offended, you, are, you have the responsibility to say first. Say first. first. First, go to the person alone, yourself, one-on-one. -on -one. Not social media. You have no business airing your laundry to the world. It's not time for that. It's never time for the world. Even after you go back with some more friends and reconciliation still doesn't happen, then you tell it to the church. That's your church community. That's not the world. You have to realize social media is a worldwide network. We are operating, seeking first the kingdom. We're stealth. We're underground, but it manifests itself above ground. But we have a kingdom government. We seek first the kingdom and reconciliation. And in kingdom reconciliation, go, first of all, to the, to the person that has offended you, hurt your feelings, did you wrong, whatever the situation may be. But follow the proper sequence. That was simple enough. Proper sequence, right? Everyone got it? What else do I need to do? Nothing until you did what you did first. You do what you do first, supposed to do first. Many times that takes care of it. You don't have to take steps two and three. But if you need to, follow through with the proper sequences. All right. Now I want to talk to you about first and the subject of our stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. There's biblical principles. One of the scriptures that gets used quite frequently here in Grace Church when it comes to uh, encouraging people in their biblical stewardship, we often draw from uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. In chapter 8, he talks about, the, he uses the church of Macedonia as an example, how they were in, in great affliction and in, and in deep poverty. And in the midst of that great affliction and in deep poverty, the grace of God abounded to them and how, uh, how they were able to give beyond their natural ability, but there's a principle, I think it's in verse 9 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, but first, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. So there's a story that I really enjoy. It's always been an encouragement to me, but it's found in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 17. And this is, has to do with uh, Elijah, the prophet, and he had proclaimed a, a drought in the land, and he was out by the river, and the ravens and so forth were feeding him. And then he, he prophesied a drought would be coming. And then all of a sudden, uh, his own resources dried up because of the drought that he prophesied. <laughs> it's like, okay, Elijah, this should not have caught you off guard. You're the one that predicted that this was going to happen. So anyway, he finds himself in a situation, uh, you know, of, uh, his, his uh, needs are not being met. But the Lord spoke to him, and he, and he told him to to go to a, a town or a village called Seraphath, 
uh, and uh, he's to dwell there. Here's the town that I want you to go to. It's Seraphath, and I want you to dwell there. And, now listen to this. You have to catch this. Nothing has happened yet. There's no miraculous manifestation. Pastor Vern just talked to you last week about um, prophesy, how you declare the end result before you see the end result. You declare the end that you'd like to see. You prophesy. As the Spirit of God is directing you, it's not, it's not a magic wand that we wave or just a wish list, but as the Spirit of God is directing you. But here's an illustration of that. You know, go to this town, Seraphath, and uh, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, do you agree with me that when God is speaking to the prophet and he's telling him where to go, and he's telling them that in this town of Seraphath, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So I think that we can honestly and safely believe that God spoke to this widow woman. You all agree with that? Because he said, I commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, I find this very interesting. He told this widow woman that was experiencing some very challenging situations herself, experiencing a lot of scarcity in her life. But God spoke to her and said, there's a prophet coming to town, and I want you to take care of him. I want you to get this, because many times when we talk about stewardship, people disqualify themselves thinking, well, I'm having all these challenges. I'm having this great difficulty myself. Obviously, this, mustn't be, this is not speaking to me today. This is speaking about the person next to me, because they're doing very well financially, so it must be for them. No, God wants you to be redeemed from your poverty situation, your scarcity situation. God spoke to this woman, and he speaks to you, and he speaks to me. So he spoke to this woman. And so the prophet, uh, he, he took that direction from God. He, 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 he went to the town, and it says in verse 10 that he came to the gate of the city, and indeed a widow was there. Imagine that just like God spoke it. The widow was there. She was gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called, her, he called to her and said, please make me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now, at this point, it's safe to assume that Elijah is not aware of this widow's woman's situation. But she replied, and she Gives him the full story in verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour. Just, just a handful, not two hands full, just a handful. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we're just going to have a great party and enjoy the rest of the day and hopefully it's a better day tomorrow. Now, here's her story. I'm going to prepare this for myself and for my son that we may eat it and die. This is it. This is all we have. This is all we have. This is her reality. This is her current reality. We're going to eat this and then we're going to die. Because there's no way out. There's no future. But God spoke to her previously, before the prophet ever came, God spoke to her and said, there's a prophet coming. I want you to provide for him. So you can see the dilemma. 
See the tension going on in her heart and her mind? That's right. God did say there's a prophet coming. I, I did sense that. I, I, I think I did hear that. And now here he is, but I just have a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. And my son and I, she didn't say the prophet, just my son and I are going to eat it and die. So she was dismissing at that point what God had spoken to her about, what God had commanded her. Verse 13, I love the prophet's response. I think this is a very Holy Spirit-led response. Do not fear. That's a good time to hear from God, is it not? Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. I love that. Number one, do not fear. And then go and do as you have said. What I want you to know, as, as you are experiencing conflict, you are experiencing scarcity in the area of finances and stewardship, you, you're experiencing fear, is I want you to know that God's plan for redemption is not to reign on your parade. When he speaks to you, as he's speaking now, it's not to ruin your plans. It's not to make your situation even more challenging, even more dire, more difficult, but rather it's a plan of redemption. He said, don't fear, go and do as you have said, but, and we say, but, now here comes the first in stewardship. The word first is not in this verse, but it is first. This is the first thing she's supposed to do. But make me a small cake from it. The first, is, it's in there. It just didn't start. I meant to say it didn't start with first. Make me a small cake from it first. First things first. And bring it to me afterward. And we say afterward. So, the, so first things first, or the principle of first, is always to put God first. Seek first the kingdom your first love, first in sequence and reconciliation. Now, here we have a first in the area of stewardship, and it's all through the Word of God. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, many times referred to as first fruits. You've probably heard that. That's what tithing means. It's a first fruit. Give first unto the Lord. He said, so make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, here's another promise. Uh, afterward, more instruction with a promise. Make some for yourself and your son. Now a reminder what God has spoken. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Everyone say first things first. Verse 15, so she went away and did the first thing. She did according to the word of Elijah. The first and the best thing you can do is do what the word of the Lord speaks. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. According to, and we say according to, it's according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. The principle of first. Practice the principle of first in your stewardship. Put God first in your thoughts concerning your, your stewardship, your, uh, the plans God has for you. God spoke to this woman when she was in a very, very 
scary, scarce situation. And the reason he did that was not to be mean to her. Say, well, how could you ever take something from a poor widow like that? It was God's way of redemption. You, you sow the seed. You always sow the seed, which is lesser, and then later you receive a harvest that is always greater. It's just the principle of seed time and harvest time. And God wanted to bring her into that, and that was the principle here of first, give unto the Lord. This was give unto the prophet, which was under the old covenant that says giving unto the Lord. So practice and thinking about all your stewardship, all your, all, all your spending, all your financial habits. Put God first. Put God first. Not just the seed that you sow into, into the church offerings, but just across the spectrum. Put God first. Can I hear a good amen for that? Amen. All right. Are you ready for another first? This is the fifth first. <laughs> A fifth first. It's easy for me to say, right? Are you ready for one more? Yes. All right. Convince me. Are you ready for one more? Yes. All right. Here we go. Here we go. One more. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who, are in, all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Now, I'm reading this from uh, Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson's devotional called Morning and Evening in His Presence came across this the other day. I thought, oh my gosh, that was one of my, that was one of my firsts. And here it was, it was the devotional for the day. And here's what, here's, here's what he had to say about it. Here's this encouragement from this particular verse about, first of all, that I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And here's, here's this devotional part of it. He says, the direction of our lives found in 1 Timothy, is simple but important. Pray for all in authority with thankfulness. It is usually fairly easy to pray for those in authority, but it's not always easy to be thankful for them. When we consider that Paul lived in a time of extremely abusive leaders, we realize that this was not an untested theory or a flowery suggestion. His insight has teeth to it because of his own experience. This cultivating a heart that values leaders regardless of how little godliness is in their lives is a challenge, but with great reward. Being thankful for them before, I'm say before. Being thankful for them, so come on, say before like you mean it. Before. All right. This is the word of the Lord. This is long before you're experiencing what you're experiencing. We're all experiencing things globally. Being thankful for them before they deserve it qualifies them for a visitation of God in a most remarkable way. Now, this is a good time to go back and to remind us all your first love. <laughs> first love. Let's continue to love God. Let's continue to love his word. Let's continue to love his instruction. I'm going to read this prayer that Bill Johnson is in there now for this day of devotion. Father, I'm going to make it personal for us today, though. Father, forgive us for the judgment that we have shown in the past 
for those whom you have placed into positions of authority. Help us to change our heart to one of thanksgiving and intercession. He continues, look again at the scripture of 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. So I'm going to read it again. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So if you look again at this scripture, we can see that it, Bill Johnson goes on to teach us here that it is God's will is a tranquil and, a tranquil and quiet life. Tranquil means free of disturbance. Isn't that pretty cool? That you can live free of disturbance. And quiet means uninterrupted. That is the heart of God for every city on the earth. That is his purpose for our well-being would be without disturbance and without interruption. That alone should appeal to every one of us everyone hearing this this morning and what a profound outcome we can recognize that that we can have expect and anticipate an atmosphere that there is a future and there is a hope and what a profound outcome for those praying for their leaders and then he always closes this devotional for the day with with a like like a word from the lord the lord encouraging him and here's what he had to say. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to personalize it. It says, though it may seem, though it may not be obvious all the time, God is orchestrating something beautiful for you, for your city, for your nation. Work with God's heart, not against him as you pray for your leaders and you receive God's peace. Seek first the kingdom. Return to your first love, which is believing on him who God sent, believing on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Follow the proper sequence, the first step in reconciliation. Go to the person that offended you. Follow the principles of first when it comes to stewardship. Remember, the first thing you do in all of these affects what you do afterward. Yeah. If you don't steward your money well, nothing's going to really work really well. We're not just talking about, you know, the portion that you give unto the Lord. We're talking about all of your stewardship. Matter of fact, just can I digress for a minute? Most churches only teach and, and, and compel the people to give, you know, you know, the first fruits, you know, their tithe unto the Lord, and they never encourage or instruct the people how to steward the other 90%. True. I know people that tithe all their lives and are not doing all that well financially because they're doing a horrible job stewarding the 90%. Right. They're not using any biblical principles. So it's not just giving. It's not just giving unto the Lord. It's not just a magic wand. It's first. Put God first in all your stewardship principles. All right, I promise not to go any farther with that. But back here, God really wants us all to have a quiet 
and a peaceable life. If we will pray for those in positions of authority over us in our local region, whether it be teachers, whether it be ministry people, whether it be government people, whoever has a position of authority over us, over you, and over us, plural, we are to be praying for those people. First thing, first, everyone say first. first. I am going to offer up supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks for all men, then for kings and governments and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. So, Father, thank you that Jesus clarified that the first thing we are to do is to believe on him, to believe on Jesus. You're with us this morning. You say, Pastor Ray, I've never taken that step. I've heard of Jesus. I've heard that God loves me, and I've even heard John 3.16 before, but I never heard from the perspective of John chapter 6 where Jesus said that the first thing I'm to do, my first responsibility, my first work is to believe on Jesus whom God has sent. I have never made a public declaration of my belief in Jesus, but I'm ready to do that this morning. I'd like to do that this morning. We are excited for you to wanting, wanting to do that. We'd love to lead you in a prayer of doing exactly that. And if that's touching your heart today, you say, I need to make that commitment to, to do that first work of believing in Jesus before I do anything else. Could I see your hand? If you just raise up your hand real quick so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, sir. I see that. Anyone else? Is there anyone else in here? Thank you. Thank you. See that? You can put your hand on both of you. Can Thank you so much. If you're online and you're saying, I need to also make this declaration of I'm going to believe on him. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and we're going to pray a prayer. We encourage those of you that raised your hand to go ahead and pray along with us. It's a simple commitment to doing first things first. Say, Heavenly Father, as of today, this very moment, I am asking Jesus Christ to be first and foremost in my life. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior, fully convinced that you sent him to shed his blood, to die at the cross, to forgive me of all my sin. So I declare Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First things first. All right. Well, I could go on on each one of these topics, but I, I bring it to a close. And such an honor to be here this morning. Again, like I said, we'll be back on the 24th. Nancy will be with me, and we'll, we'll see you on that weekend. So thank you for your prayers and your hospitality and your love, and have a great rest of the day. God bless you. Bye.